Welcome to Voices from the Dales, our Ingleborough, part four of six, where we're hearing the voices of those who live and work, visit and enjoy Ingleborough. My name's Andrew Fagg and I'm with oral history interviewer Anna Greenwood. Today we're hearing the voices of two women, Amy Jane Beer and Rachel Benson. Can you introduce Amy Jane Beer? I met her, ooh, back when I was doing a writing course on natural writing, nature writing, and she was running the course. And I've heard of her ever since then and, and just sort of kept an eye on what she's been doing. And then I read about her in the local paper saying that she'd taken on the role of honorary president of the Friends of the Dales. And where did you speak to her? Spoke to her in a little cottage at uh, Winterscales, well, just in the middle of nowhere. Clearly your work is deeply rooted, pardon the pun, in the natural world. And I'm wondering where that passion came from. So tell me about your childhood and where you grew up. I grew up in lots of places. Um, My dad was in the army, so I was born in Germany, in Munster. I was born in 1970. We moved every one to three years. I went to, I think, eight schools before the age of 13, at which point my dad came out of the army. My dad was a fanatical cricketer, so we used to go at weekends. We would travel to cricket matches wherever wherever he could get a game. And so that involved long hours of either sitting watching a cricket match, which for you know, a, a little girl wasn't always particularly interesting. The teas were good, but the, but the cricket <sighs> couldn't watch it all, all the time. But we were allowed to just go off and explore around normally given a boundary and go off. So I suppose there's an independence that came with that. And particularly the years we spent on Salisbury Plain in the early 80s were hugely formative. From our house, we could walk out onto the the chalk down and there, um, which provided they weren't shooting that day. It was all all firing ranges and, and places where the army would go on exercises. So as long as there were no red flags flying, my sister and I could just roam. And we had a huge amount of freedom to do that. And that was enormously formative. I feel I belong in nature and I don't feel that I'm just visiting. It's just, you know, it's my place to go out and roam at will. So formative in terms of a connection with nature, but also that sense I have of a right to roam. And that's become something I've really started campaigning for. I should make very clear that the distinction between the right to roam campaign I'm involved with and the Friends of the Dales, they're, they're not linked Dales, as, a, as a national park, they've been very, really good at making people welcome, particularly as a result of the pandemic, how visitor numbers have increased in all national parks. And the Dales, to their absolute credit, they recognise it, it's a problem because they're understaffed and under-resourced to deal with it. But it's a good problem to have, as far as they're concerned. The role of a national park, it, you know, it is a national park, it's supposed to be for everybody. So to yeah. have people coming is a really good thing. Um, but there is a huge challenge in how you deal with those numbers. And if, if we had a greater right to roam across the other 92% of the, the country, then those honeypot sites, including huge swathes of National Park, would be under less pressure. And more people would have mm. access just to that enormous benefit, those huge physical and, and mental health benefits of just being able to go and wander into a wood near where you live or lie in a field, look at the sky and to take care of it. You're the new voluntary and honorary president of the Friends of the Dales, and it's an environmental campaigning charity. Mm. The landscape is used by a lot of people. Natural England have bought a large area of land around Ingleborough. It's common grazing land for the farmers. It's open access land for people to walk on and enjoy. 
it's an area that can be used to hopefully bring back species of animals. There's a lot of people wanting to use this one piece of land. How do we balance that? It is a case of balance, isn't it? We have to ask the question, is the balance right at the minute? Have, have we been getting it right for the last 200 years? And unfortunately, the answer is no. Why 200 years? Um, because that's roughly how long we're looking at enclosures in terms of everyone having access to the land. So the idea that the land is solely for the purpose of farming or any one purpose, that's, that's what has happened in, in 200 years or so. The idea that the owner and manager of the land trumps all else. That's what's changed in that time. If we're looking at areas like the grouse moors, for example, you know that is spoken about by the proponents of it as though it's a tradition that's been set in stone forever, and it's actually really quite new. How new? About 200 years in terms of... That's about 200 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but it increased in intensity enormously over the last 30 years. It's been a race to the bottom in terms of exploiting the land to get as bigger a return out of it as possible. You're looking at grouse, you know, the, if you look at the, the numbers of, of, of bags over the year, you know, it's just gone up and up and up and up and up. And the only way you can do that is by managing more and more intensively, medicating the birds, excluding every possible predator. And it's all just so that, you know, this estate can say, you'll shoot more birds if you come here than if you go next door. And so everyone's been doing it. But they have the argument that doing that allows ground nesting birds to thrive as well. Mm, mm. And those ground nesting birds should be nesting all over the place, not just on, on the moors. Look at curlew. You know, a huge part of the problem for them is in the lowlands where they should still be. They have been sort of pushed back a lot to the uplands where they're doing better because of the predator control. But in the lowlands, the reason they are been in such catastrophic decline is silage cutting. And that's to do with intensification of farming. We never used to cut the meadows in April, and now we're doing it, and it just obliterates the birds. For Curly, they've come to this point of absolute crisis where they're no longer able to live alongside predators that have always been part of their lives. Now it's a problem because we've pushed both sides of that carefully balanced equation to the point of this desperate conflict. Up to this point of the interview, Anna, you'd been talking about Amy Jane Beer's upbringing and the Dales in general, but now you brought the talk close to Inglebury itself. Okay, I'm <laughs> going to allow you to create the future of Ingleborough itself. Okay, you've got free reign to do whatever you want. If, if you were to create a future for Ingleborough to make it a wild space, mm. what would you do? A wild space? Well, I would still... I would. I would still have the farms, undoubtedly, but um, they would remain, as most of them are now, fairly small. They would sell locally. There would be more people living here rather than just having second homes here. <laughs> so it's about community. Um, if you had to choose one place as your favourite place, where would that be? Oh, gosh, well, I have a few. I mean, we got married in Settle and, and at Holton Gill. We sort of did the legal bit in Settle and the rest of it at Holton Gill. So Penny Gent forms the background to all our wedding photos. We stood in the in the skirt fair at Holton Gill for another set of photos. Um, so those are all very precious memories, precious places. But um, I mentioned earlier that I went to Gordale Scar last night. Those the scars, the, the Gordale and Yukoga Scar, they feel like heartlands to me, and it's something to do with the ewes. Did you know that the old name for York? Is the root of the name for your, comes from you. It means place of the yew trees. 
Um, so actually Yorkshire, you know, our plant, our symbol should not be the white rose, it should be the yew. So where, wherever I see yews growing, these extraordinarily long-lived, resilient trees that have been growing there in some cases, you know, a thousand years, maybe more. Some of the yews in Britain, possibly not the ones growing on the crags because it, you know, it's tough, it's a tough place to grow, but some of them are older than recorded history. So they feel like they've seen it all and they are still there, still clinging on growing incredibly slowly. If they grew fast, they would become too big too soon. They would be ripped out of the crag under their own weight. So they're not making a fuss. They're just, they're just there. They seem to do better on the north-facing crags, I guess, because they don't get quite so dried out. So there's a little bit more moisture in there for their roots, which must be, they're just rooted in cracks. There's no soil. So yes, my favourite places are the scars, I think. Because we're not far scars from Twizzleton Scar, which no. actually is, is I picked that off the... Um, Yorkshire Post Country Week because I wanted to go and find it. That's mm, Twizzleton oh, Scar just down the bottom side of Wernside. See, what's magic about these places is that, as you say, it can look really, it can look bleak, it can look exposed, but you know, you just put your head down into one of those grikes, and there is a miniature rainforest in there. There's so much life, and it's so green, um, and it can be, you know, it's warm and it's humid. It's like a greenhouse. If only you look. You just have to look. That was Amy Jane Beer talking to Anna Greenwood, who's here with me on the limestone pavement on the Ingleburn National Nature Reserve. Let's switch to our other voice in this episode. Can you introduce Rachel Benson? Rachel Benson, as a lady I met, she runs a bunk barn called Broadrake, which is at the foot of Wernside, actually not far from Winterscales, just a five... Uh, 20-minute walk, I'd say, from winter scales. And her and her husband run the bunk barn, but she also is a very crafty lady. She does willow weaving, sewing, so all sorts of things, music. She's very talented. Rachel, your parents passed away between 2009 and 2010 and, and your maiden aunt 2011. Inheritance from both estates gave you enough money to move out of the centre of Harrogate and buy a larger property, a more rural property. You've said that you considered running a bed and breakfast, so you were looking for a location as, as much as other things, as well as the building. Mm. What is it about the location here that caught your eye? The big thing for us, and more so Mike, was the, the vast out view we've got from out the front here. So that is very open. You know, we looked at the Lake District as well, but that's much more wooded, and you don't get that big vista. We've got these huge views. So being part of that landscape, Yet at the same time, still being able to see the cars go by and um, in that first winter, the gritters go by. So this area of meadow is behind the bunk barn where we're sitting now. Yes. And you've been planting that with trees and latterly meadow plants. Okay. Can you talk me through some of the plants that you've got there? Okay, so when we came in December, well, in December 2012, we'd, we'd thought we needed to plant some trees in this area of land and the trees were planted either side of the central area because I'd always wanted the, the meadow as well. So the meadows separate from the trees, although there are now flowery areas that I'm developing under the trees. So the, the main flowers uh, that we're trying to increase are the red clover, hawkbits, ribwort plantain, Meadow buttercup, there wasn't much meadow buttercup here now when we first started, it was rank grass. But with a quite a good 
range of grasses and it wasn't improved so it had a good basis. Betony, self-heal, small scabious, devil's bit scabious. I mean a lot of those plants are all on site anyway so I've just been collecting seeds and using those to increase the populations here. And my special, my special favourite is the wood cranes bill which is just uh, down the lane either side, it's on the footpaths. So I have collected seed and got that going and that's really nice to see in the early meadow because it's got a purple haze. Mm. That's is that it. the one that looks like a geranium? Yes, it is a geranium, yeah, yes. with, a, with a white eye in the middle of the purple flower. Have you introduced any plants that weren't here? Well, I would say that was introduced, but it wasn't very far away. <laughs> yes. I've introduced the globe flower. Somebody collected some seed for me and we, we mutually had a go at germinating it and I was more successful than him. Mm. So I passed him some seed, seedlings back. Mm. Because they do grow naturally up on the hills around here, but not, they weren't in your meadow at the time. No, no. I would like to do similar for the marsh marigold, which again is just in the field next, next to us, so I should collect some seed mm. from that. In the time that you've been here, which, if my maths is correct, is now 11 years yes. since you moved to Broadrake, what changes have you noticed in the landscape and also the people here? So the landscape immediately here where we've where we planted trees obviously now has got um, a population of young trees that are six, seven, eight foot tall. Um, and I'm quite chuffed to say that we made that happen. Ditto the meadow. It was not flowery when we came and now it is very flowery and it's full of bumblebees on a hot summer day, summer's day. With regard to the people, the people being our neighbours or our guests or... Just in general, people visiting the area. We've got a huge footfall now, and it's only January, so I can't imagine what it's going to be like in the summer. Mm. Because you do live on the footpath? We do, yes. Is that part of the Three Peaks? No, this is not the Three Peaks. This is the Wernside Round. Yeah. So you can either go up to Bleemore and up, and then come back down this way, or you can go up from this way and go down the other way. So that's a very popular Sunday walk. And, and that works to our advantage because a lot of people say, oh, we walked past and can we book in? Mm. So from a business point of view, it's, it's good. Mm. And there are more people. There are definitely more people. That was Rachel Benson and before her, Amy Jane Beer, speaking to Anna Greenwood. My name's Andrew Fagg and that's the end of this episode of Our Ingleborough Voices from the Dales. Next time, it's Voices on Caving. <laughs>